expressed a moment ago, we are so glad that you're here. Our heart's desire and our prayer is, as we study together from God's Word this morning, we'll say something that will be a source of strength and encouragement and edification to you, and you'll be build it up in the most holy faith. You'll leave here and you'll ponder the things that we do, and tonight as you pillow your head for slumber, you'll say it was good to have been in the Lord's house this morning. In case you're not aware of it, Thursday of this week, we will celebrate what we are pleased to call in our country Thanksgiving Day. A day that's set aside every year for giving thanks to God for the blessings that we've received during the past 12 months. For several months now, a lot of work and planning has gone into some of our celebrations. If you have noticed the magazines at the checkout counter at the grocery stores, they've been filled with tips for decorating and for cooking and for all of these fancy things that people like Rachel Ray and Martha Stewart and Paula Dean and Sandra Lee are planning to do for Thanksgiving, none of which most of us are going to do. For the life of me, I've never understood why you want to put those frilly little paper things on the turkey drumsticks just to take them off before you eat it. And I just don't understand a lot of those things. And, you know, they have all of these different recipes for how to improve on various holiday dishes. Norma's been making dressing the same way for the last 20 or 25 or 30 years. And she makes it the same way my grandmother taught her how to make it. And I really don't want anybody messing with the dressing recipe. That's just the way I feel about that sort of thing. But most of us won't be doing the things that Rachel and Paula and, and, and Sandra and Martha are planning and telling us to do. And yet, Thanksgiving, it's become the almost forgotten time of the year. It's almost like we need to hurry up and get Thanksgiving over with so we can move on to Christmas and Santa Claus and Jingle Bells and Grandma got run over by a reindeer. But this celebration of Thanksgiving... It has its roots deep in our American culture. It all goes back to New England in 1621. In December of 1620, a small group of pilgrims founded Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts. During that first dreadful winter, almost half or more of that little band of pilgrims died. But hope springs eternal in the human breast, someone wrote one time. And a new hope arose for these pilgrims in the summer of 1621. The peas, they weren't worth gathering. The crop of wheat and the crop of barley, it was poor. They did, however, expect a very good corn crop that year. So in the early autumn of 1621, Governor Bradford, William Bradford by name, arranged for a harvest festival for these people. A festival to give thanks, to give thanks to God for the progress the colony had made. Fortunately for Governor Bradford, the ACLU did not exist in that day and time. 
There was no woke culture or PC police. The Freedom From Religion Foundation hadn't been founded yet. And so it was okay to proclaim a festival to give thanks to God for the bountiful blessings. And the festival lasted for three days. The men of Plymouth, they shot ducks and geese and turkey. And there were plums and leeks and cornbread and watercress. The women of the colony, they supervised the cooking over outdoor fires. Can you imagine that? There were about 90 Indians, Native Americans, attending. And they brought five deer to add to the feast. And everyone ate outside on large tables. Well, it was actually President Abraham Lincoln who in 1863 proclaimed the last Thursday in November as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father. Well, it was 1939. Franklin Roosevelt set thanksgiving a week earlier. Because for 75 years, thanksgiving was always observed on the last Thursday of November. But in 1939, President Roosevelt set it a week earlier than the last Thursday of the month so that it would provide a longer holiday shopping season for the business community. It was actually 1941 that the United States Congress established formally the fourth Thursday of November as Thanksgiving Day on an annual basis. And for most of us, Thanksgiving is a family day. It's celebrated with big dinners and joyous reunions. The very mention of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving dinner and Thanksgiving Day conjures up turkey and dressing and ham and sweet potato pie and pecan pie, hot rolls and butter. Did I mention pie? All of those things, and the, and the house is literally... You don't need candles, you don't need potpourri, because the house is filled with the aroma of all of these good things that are coming from the kitchen. We think of countertops literally covered with everyone's favorite food. and We have visions of pantries filled with good things to eat. And it brings to mind football games and pleasant fellowship with our friends and kinsmen. But what I want to remind us of, we do not observe Thanksgiving as a religious holiday. But it does seem appropriate that we pause and give thanks while it's something that is on our collective mind as a nation. For all of us, as we sit down to our feast, there will be some vacant chairs for us that will bring to mind things that will cause us to become misty-eyed. But we'll move past that and be grateful for all of the things that we do have. We'll have fond memories of those loved ones that are no longer there to share in our joy. And we'll miss them. 
And we'll sit around and we'll also realize as we give thanks that we live in a world that's beset with problems. Our Thanksgiving dinner this year is going to be the most expensive in history. Inflation is a 40-year high. Price of gasoline is twice what it was a year ago. Terrorist groups are on the rampage. There are wars and there are rumors of wars. There's corruption in our government. We see crime and greed and selfishness and violence at higher levels than they've ever been before. And in spite of all that, we still have so much to be thankful for. We can be thankful that we will have plenty to eat. We can be thankful that we will have a roof over our heads. We can be thankful for family and loved ones and friends. I'm even thankful that the Longhorns don't play the Aggies this year on Thanksgiving Day. There's so much to be thankful for. I want us to look in case we feel like life is pointless. And sometimes with all the issues going on in our world, if you turn on some of the 24-hour news cycles, you can think, life's just hopeless. It's pointless. But if, if we reach the point we think life is hopeless, or we reach the point we think it's pointless, I want to look at a passage over in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verses 17 through 19. The prophet of God says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And He will make my feet like hinds feet. And He will make me walk upon high places. He says, I don't care how hard it is. I don't care what's going on. We've got a prophet of God right there who vowed that he was going to be thankful in hard times. He vowed that he was going to be thankful in difficult times. A prophet of God who loved God enough to thank Him in distress. A prophet who was thankful when things were difficult. This particular passage contains those empowered words you can cling to. Not only when the bottom falls out, but when the bottom falls out, the roof caves in and the walls are crumbling down around you. You can cling to the hope of the prophet of God in that passage. Because you see, when God's provisions change, we can be thankful. God does not change. Habakkuk here envisions losing things that are vital to their economy. He says the fig tree shall not blossom. And in that part of the world and in that day and time, the fig was a very important part of their diet. If you'll think back to 1 Samuel 25, when Nabal, that churlish ruler, 
slighted David and he mocked David and David's men. And David assembled 400 men. They girded on their swords and David girded on his sword. And they were fixing to go teach Nabal a lesson. And Nabal's wife Abigail came to his rescue. And she didn't tell Nabal what she was doing, but she loaded up the beasts with all kinds of things to take to David as a peace offering. So he wouldn't come and just annihilate Nabal and all of his men. You know what one of the things she took? Among all the loaves of bread and the wine and the oil and all the things that Abigail took to David in 1 Samuel 25, she took him 200 fig cakes. And this prophet of God, Habakkuk, envisions a time that there won't be any fig trees blossoming. And the vines are not going to have any fruit on them. And the olive trees are not going to produce. They're going to go to the fields to gather the harvest and there's no harvest there. There's not any sheep in the pen. There's no cattle in the stalls. And you know what the prophet of God says? He said, even though all of this happens, I'm going to be thankful anyway. Economic conditions can change. Remember they changed for Egypt back in the days of Joseph? They had seven years of plenty, seven years of an abundance, and then they had seven years of famine. Think about God's man Job. The sons of God came together. The devil was in their midst. Job becomes the topic of conversation. And Job was one of the wealthiest men of the East at that time. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys. If we'd had a man like Job for our neighbor, oh, we'd be so jealous of everything Job had. He had seven sons. He had three daughters, a great household of servants. And the time came that between thieves and lightning... His 7,000 sheep were gone. His 3,000 camels were gone. His 500 yoke of oxen were gone. His 500 female donkeys were gone. All of his servants had been kidnapped or killed. A great wind came from heaven and lifted up the house where his sons and daughters were drinking, eating and drinking and making merry and dropped it on him. And all of his seven sons and three daughters were killed. And you know what Job said? The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all that, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Things may change for us. Things may change because of a loss of health. Things may change because we make bad choices, bad investments. Things may change because of things that government might do that we have no control over. But write this down. It's on the final exam. God does not change. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, the prophet of God writes, For I am the Lord. Listen to it. I change not. Or the Hebrew writer would put it this way in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Talking about Jesus. Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what's going on in this world around us, no matter what kind of noise this world is making, since God does not change, 
be thankful. No matter what the monetary policy might be, God hasn't changed. Whether it's the Democrats in power, the Republicans in power, or the knuckleheads in power, it doesn't matter. God is the same. We should be thankful. No no matter what happens, God's provisions do not change. And we ought to be thankful for God's salvation too. You know, we're not very far ever from problems in this life. And when you look at life, everything around us is fragile. Life itself is uncertain. That's why James refers to it as a vapor. But God's salvation provides eternal life for us. We read in that beautiful text in John chapter 3 and verse 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're not just limited to these few years of sorrow and tears on this earth. We have heaven ahead of us. That's the promise Jesus made. He took His disciples to Him. They would eaten the Passover together in John chapter, in the Gospel according to John. He had told them He was going to be leaving. But in John 14, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. I'll receive you unto Myself, Jesus said, that where I am, there you might be also. We're not just limited to this. It's like the poet said, Come grow old along with Me, the best is yet to be. Here's how Peter would put it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. You see, we're just pilgrims and sojourners here. Like the song said, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. God's prepared something for us in heaven that's wonderful and beautiful. Greater than we can possibly imagine. So when life's crowding us a little bit, we can be thankful that our few years on this globe are just a passing thing compared to eternity with God in heaven. When we pass through trials, we can triumph in Jesus Christ. The Lord is our strength. Remember what Paul wrote in the Philippian letter? In chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I haven't gained heaven yet, but this one thing I do. What's that, Paul? Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching for the things that are before I press toward the prize for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have heaven gained yet. 
But here's what I'm doing, Paul said. I'm forgetting the past. The past is behind me. It's over with. And I'm reaching forth to what's out yonder in the future. And I'm pressing on and I'm pressing forward that I'm going to gain that prize in heaven and be with God someday. And then in chapter 4 and verse 11, text we talked about last week when we talked about the secret of commitment, or contentment rather, Paul said, I don't speak in respect of want. I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, to abound and suffer need. Now listen to it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We'll pass through trials in this life. It's a given. There's going to be cloudy days. There's going to be rainy days. There's going to be stormy days. But through Jesus Christ... We can come through those storms of life triumphantly. Habakkuk, in our our text, he tells us, be thankful no matter what. No matter what else is going on. Listen, Listen to his expression of confidence and faith. Though the fig tree does not flourish, so what? There's no grapes on the vine. Oh well. The olive crops failed. Such is life. The fields have produced no food. You win some, you lose some. There are no sheep in the pen. There's no cattle in the stalls. Okay. What did he say? I will rejoice in the Lord and I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. Now you think about what that man is facing. He's facing capture. If you study your history of the Jewish people, he's facing capture. He's facing enslavement and he's facing the annihilation of his crops. He's facing the loss of personal possession and he's facing an unknown future in an unknown land of captivity. And in spite of all that, the prophet of God has joy in his heart. He expresses joy and he lives joy. Because he knows the God of joy and he's going to be thankful no matter what. He speaks to us today, folks. And his message comes to me and to you. To be thankful. Be thankful no matter what. It costs more to fill our gas tank than it did last year. A lot more. But God is still in control. All the predictions are it's going to cost more to heat our homes this winter. God is still in control. It costs more to go to the grocery store and it's painful. But guess who's on His throne? God is still on His throne in heaven. When we know the God of heaven, when Jesus Christ is the Lord and Master of our lives, We can be thankful even in times like we're living in right now. Because you see, our greatest joy comes not from the things in this life. Our greatest joy comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Because when we know the Lord, when Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Master of our lives, we know the forgiveness of sins. 
We know what it's like not to have the burden of sin on our shoulders anymore. And we can say with Paul, we have a peace that passes all understanding because Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And we can know that just like Jesus told those disciples, He's gone to prepare my eternal home. Now here's the question. Do you know Him this morning? Is Jesus the Lord and Master of your life? Because you see, if Jesus Christ is not Lord and Master of all your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. But if Jesus is Lord and Master of your life, you can be thankful no matter what, just like Habakkuk was. And you can say, as Paul said when he came to the end of his life in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, he said, for the which cause I suffer these things. He's in prison. He's going to be beheaded. He's facing execution. He says, I'm not afraid. Why not, Paul? Because I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, I know what I believe. I know what I believe in. He said, I know whom I have believed. His faith was in a person. And that person was Jesus Christ. And as he brought that letter to a close, Second Timothy is the last of his letters preserved for us. He brings that letter to a close. He knows he's facing certain death. And he says to Timothy, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Listen to it. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The God, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not me only, but all them that love is appearing. Be thankful. No matter what. You can be more thankful. If Jesus is your Lord and your Master, do you need to make changes? I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what your needs might be. If there's something we can help you with, this is your opportunity to come. Let us know what we can do to help you. Let's together we stand and what we sing.